0: This is episode 16 of the Wash Talk podcast with Carline van der Vesthazen of International Budget Partnership in South Africa and Katerina Fonseca of IRC. Welcome to the Wash Talk podcast series from IRC. My name is Andy Naricot, and this is the podcast where we open up the discussion on what the wash sector needs to do to achieve the sustainable development goals. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get started. Government budgets are at the core of SDG 6. Public resources need to massively increase in order to meet the huge bill required to meet SDG 6 around $115 billion per year until 2030. But it's not looking good. Public expenditures are inadequate and there's little visibility into what is being spent when it is actually spent. There is a body of evidence that shows that transparency in public spending can have a positive impact in attracting more funding and improving services. But how do we increase transparency in public spending? We're going to explore this today with the help of our two guests and share some practical steps civil society organisations and NGOs can take in their contexts. But before we dive in, make sure you head over to ircwash.org forward washtalk for links to further resources and other episodes in this series. So without any further ado, here's the interview. Hello everyone, today I'm talking with Carleen van der Vesthazen and Katerina Fonseca about public finance and accountability in the wash sector, particularly the role of transparency in public spending and the effect it can have on services. So Carleen joined the International Budget Partnership, or IBP, in mid-2016 after working as a consultant for IBP for a few years. She currently works as a research analyst for IBP South Africa, based in Cape Town, and IBP South Africa works with civil society organisations that work directly with the poor and marginalised communities on issues related to the provision of basic services. And Katerina is a, is a regular to the Wash Talk podcast, and she's head of international programmes at IRC, with nearly 20 years in the sector. As you all know, she's a big into public finance in the wash sector, having developed the wash cost approach, which really helped to put O&M costs front and center on the sustainability agenda. So it's a pleasure having you both on the show to talk about this really important subject. So welcome, Carleen.
1: Thank you, Andy.
0: And welcome, Katerina.
2: Hi, Andy. Nice to be back to the space.
0: Brilliant. Well, welcome back, Katerina. Perhaps we'll start with you. You know the uh, the show. Since we're talking about public finance today, um, can you set the scene for us and explain why an increase in public spending is so important to meet the SDGs, and, and why transparency is also important in that?
2: Well, I'll, I'll try to explain it in, in very simple, uh, in a very simple way. So, in a nutshell. All the countries in the world that have reached universal access to water and sanitation have actually funded the sector mainly, well, with large injections of public finance. Uh, And then they were able to improve the services and then raise tariffs and taxes to cover the cost. But I'm simplifying. But in a nutshell, it has been universal access was achieved with public finance and so to reach the sustainable development goal six which stands for universal access to water and sanitation public finance will play uh, a major role uh, both in terms of volume but also because it is required to attract private finance uh, that rightly so at the moment perceives the sector as too risky and this is where transparency Comes into play uh, because um, transparency in how public finance is allocated is one of the few instruments that citizens can use to hold governments accountable by tracking their expenditure. But also, without tr- this transparency, uh, the water sector will not be able to attract uh, private finance either. So it's both; it goes both ways. So, in a nutshell, this is this is the intro.
0: So this transparency. Plays a major role because of that. Uh, citizens holding uh, the government accountable, and so you know, it can have more transparency for for private mm-hmm. investors because they need to see the whole picture of the finances of the wash services, right?
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Brilliant. Well, um, Carleen, I think you're doing a piece of work on um, or the IPP South Africa offices is developing this metro open budget index which measures transparency at a local government level which obviously in many situations is, is the entity responsible for delivery of wash services so can you tell us how you're going to measure that and you know hope how you're hoping it will be used
1: Okay, thank you, Andrew. Um, Andy, yes, as um, Katarina has mentioned, um, transparency is really important to hold governments accountable. So um, residents, people living in communities benefiting from government services, they need access to that budget information to be able to hold governments accountable. Just a very quick bit of history. Um, Since 2006, the International Budget Partnership has been implementing the Open Budget Survey which is a detailed assessment of central government budget transparency, participation, and the strength of formal oversight institutions. And at the moment, more than 100 countries are actually included in this index, including South Africa. But what is really critical for our work in South Africa is that this open budget um, index only look at national government transparency and participation. And as you've mentioned, in South Africa, it's the local government that's actually responsible for the delivery of basic services such as water, sanitation and electricity. So we have adapted both the methodology used in the open budget survey as well as the actual questionnaire to ask more specific questions related to the budget information needed by people living in communities that are getting these basic services from the local government. And we're planning to launch this OBI. We call it the Metro OBI, short for the Metro Open Budget Index. Um, We're launching it in the next two months And first, we're only going to launch it in South Africa's eight metropolitan municipalities. Those are the eight largest cities, which includes Cape Town and Johannesburg. And they account for about half of the population in South Africa. And also they account for large shares of people living in informal settlements. And so we are going to use the questionnaire to assess budget transparency, participation and oversight. And then based on the results, we will put together um, an index which can be used to rank the metropolitan municipalities from, let's call it, most transparent to least transparent. But more importantly, we'll also produce a report um, for each of the metropolitan municipalities, which will basically be a diagnostic of their current state of transparency participation and oversight and it will include specific recommendations on how we hope that they will actually be able to improve transparency and participation
0: is there a i mean this is really interesting i'm, I'm wondering you know how applicable this is to other contexts one question that comes to mind is how how much demand or interest is there already from these local these metropolitan areas to answer this survey, give this information away, but also to receive that diagnostic report because they, assuming they would want to improve in the first place.
1: Yes, yeah, so th- thanks, Annie. That's actually an excellent question. We've been really fortunate that we've already tested the questionnaire in two of these eight, eight metropolitan municipalities. So we actually try to ensure that the actual questions make sense, that they understand what we're asking. Just a note on that, the questionnaire will actually be completed by an independent researcher. But of course, we want to interact with the metropolitan municipality. So that's why we've already contacted them. So we've worked closely with two of the eight, and then also we're initially only piloting in five of the eight, and the other three metropolitan municipalities have expressed very, very strong interest in receiving the results and also participating in this process. And if I can just also add, in terms of the actual information, how we've changed the questionnaire from the international questionnaire, it's very much based on the information that we and our partners and the communities that we work with have been asking for. So it's not just standard information, information checking if the metropolitan municipalities make standard information publicly available. It's based on what we actually need and communities need to hold them accountable.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Well, good luck. We look forward to seeing the results of that. Now, if we step back and look broader across the, the continent, um, you know, Katharina, maybe one for you. This is we're seeing uh, lower scores across several African countries, actually, which means a rise in inequalities, lower transparency in public budgets. Now, aren't you working with a, a large consortium of CSOs and NGOs? I mean, civil society organizations. um in this space of transparency and public budgets, what are some of the things that you're finding, uh, or what are some of the things that mm. CSOs and NGOs can do to ad- address this downturn in in schools?
2: So, I think it was a really when I came across the the index of the of the IPP on uh, budget transparency. It was really it was really an eye opener for the state of the art of some of the countries where we are working. So, Karlene, it's, it's amazing to hear that you're adapting the methodology to local uh, areas and to local governments because that indeed gives us much more, um, yeah, nuance and details of what is happening at the local level. So, I I just so what does this mean? What can CSOs? What can governments do with with some of this information? And I have just returned from Ethiopia, and I I can illustrate this this point with a story. So I worked for for one week with municipality and district staff in an area that covers more or less uh, two and a half million people. And we spent part of the week basically just putting the budget and the expenditure together over the past three years, just actually having access to it. And we were working with government staff. At the end, we had some really nice tables and they were showing on one hand large amounts of unspent funds for infrastructure which had to be returned at the end of the the year to central governments. And on the other hand, no funds available for uh, large maintenance in any of the institutions. Logically, if this had been known, maybe the staff could have influenced the budget allocations uh, to, to shift budget lines. But it was actually the first time themselves that they were seeing and analyzing their own budget. So this is already, once you go from national analysis to local there's a a big disconnect in in how government staff is actually empowered to also look at their own budgets. So with this information in hand, that's the the nicest part, we prepared an audience with the district administration, which is politically elected. And this was the first time he actually had an audience with the technical water and sanitation stakeholders to discuss the low coverage, the high non-functionality rates, and all this mismatching of budgets. And so uh, because of that, now more meetings will will take place at his request. And this was quite simple. It was one week from A to B. My, so my my first point in this story is about education. It's about financial education on, on budget and expenditure. The second one is about engaging with the politically elected bodies. So the story I told you is from Ethiopia, similar to our partners from watershed program uh, in Bangladesh show dorp and they they have been doing this and they actually have been so this i was working directly with government staff uh, and dorp is working with a lot of the civil society organizations in uh, Bangladesh to uh, to have this education on budget on expenditure and then to um, to ask for budget increase in specific areas and they have been successful already so that is a, a great positive uh, note um And then there's something else, I mean, and the more I know about organisations that are specialised in budget tracking and not necessarily uh, in the water sector... um, so, for instance, in, in, in Uganda and India, I, I follow the tweets of uh, of some of these organizations that do budget tracking. So, they, they have advocacy staff, they know how to use social media, they track sessions in parliament, they're really on it. So, budget tracking is 100% of what they do. Uh, but I noticed that they don't talk much about the water sector, because probably they don't know much about it. And I think um, it is the role of the CSOs in the sector in the water sector to engage with some of these powerful organizations and tell them about the issues in the sector. So they can so that's another simple step that that we can take to to bring um, yeah more transparency in public uh, expenditure for the water sector.
0: Brilliant. So I like the the story you've illustrated about that education, which is key, which also ties in with the second point about educating um, those powerful organisations who track the budget, but also edu- educating them about wash uh, budgets, not just for infrastructure, but for ongoing operation and maintenance as well. This is great. Uh, Carleen, you, um, IBP South Africa, recently undertook some research into public contracts and the challenges around those with WASH services in South Africa. Um, I was interested to read that you did a um, a social audit well, you got partners to engage in social audits to find out about public expenditure and what you know what was displayed as spent by the local government, um, and and what and get communities to validate whether they, they felt that was a true uh, story. Can you tell us about this process, about how you know this, which is, could be quite instructive for people listening to how engage with this, uh, with the communities to and social audits.
1: So a social audit is a community-led process where communities compare the services that they are receiving in their communities on the ground with what is stated in official government documents, such as the bid specifications or actually the actual contracts or the delivery of those services. Um, in South Africa, especially in informal settlements, we see that basic services including sanitation and also water in some instances, are actually provided by private contractors who've been appointed through the government um, public procurement process. So the whole process has been followed where BID specifications have been made publicly available and in these specifications form part of the contracts. So during a social audit, community members actually use this information and they involved in the whole or all the phases of this process. So, in, in the whole process, they involved in putting a questionnaire together to actually ask certain questions based on how the service is being delivered. They also then involved in um, what is called a public hearing at the end of the process, where the findings from the social audit is presented, and residents are again given the opportunity to actually um, tell whoever attends that public hearing about the experiences of the service. We've supported the IVP South Africa has supported a number of these social audits over the last few years, and most of these social audits. Um, were actually around the delivery of outsourced sanitation, so different types of toilet technologies. And we started to observe the same systemic challenges with the delivery of these services to informal settlements. And this is irrespective of the area or the specific type of technology or the municipality responsible or the delivery of the service. So we started to think of the sort of systemic challenges across across areas, across um, municipalities with the delivery of these services. And based on the findings of the social audits we've supported, we started to do some work on a specific um, piece of research where we tried to identify these challenges. The main challenge, and again, across areas, across different municipalities, across different types of um, technologies, was that we found lots of um, contract violation. So the services were simply not delivered as they were su- as frequently as they're supposed to, or the full scope of the service was not delivered properly. But we thought, okay, now that's a finding, but what are actually the things driving these, um, these challenges or these contract violations? And one of the most important challenges driving the overall contract violations has been the fact that the relevant municipalities don't actually monitor delivery of these services on the ground. So for all of the social audits, when the residents completing the questionnaires were asked, have you ever seen an official from the municipality monitoring delivery of the service? The answer um, was generally no. And even when we spoke to community leaders, many of them had no contact with the relevant municipal department. They didn't know who to contact when there's an issue with the service. So the service was simply not being monitored properly. We also found, in addition, that often BID specifications are quite vague. And again, it will not describe how a service should be monitored. And also there will be references about additional service agreements or service delivery schedules, but this will then never be made public and communities will never receive these things. So they literally don't know when they should expect their service to be delivered, how often they should expect their service to be delivered. So those were the sort of some of the key challenges that we've identified.
0: Mm. Yeah. And interesting how con- well-written contracts is, is such an integral part of WASH services. Um, and I, you know, and I think linking this to your story from Ethiopia, Katerina, mm-hmm. I mean, Just from those, um, I I noted from those public hearings that you talked about earlier, uh, Kyleen, that, you know, getting politicians to attend some of those hearings could really just start a whole uh, series of follow-up meetings by the elected politicians to to follow up on these shortcomings. So anyway, thank you both. That's, uh, I think we've reached our limit. Um, I want to thank you both. For coming on and talking to us about this um, really important subject on transparency, we've had some great stories and some tips for the audience to go and take action on. So, Carleen, thanks very much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity, Andy. I really appreciate it.
0: And Katerina, as always, thank you for your inputs.
2: Thank you both. I'll definitely follow up with Carleen.
0: And that was Carleen van der Westhagen of IBP South Africa and katerina fonseca of irc thanks to both of you for speaking to us on the washtalk podcast from irc and to all of you for listening if you liked it if you like this discussion if you feel passionately about it please make sure you share it the web address is ircwash.org forward slash washtalk and make sure you add your point of view on social media by using the hashtag washtalk thank you all for listening that's it see you next time